0: Welcome to the podcast of The Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit TheVineOC.com. Welcome back, everyone. Again, it's just so great to have you with us, especially if you're new with us. We're going to turn now to look together at God's Word because we believe that through his word that God wants to speak to us, that he wants to encourage us and, and that he wants to form us. And so we're gonna to turn to look together at his word. Now, although I'm here leading the service, I'm actually on vacation and study leave until the end of July. So I've invited a friend to bring the message today, my dear friend, Ash Meaney. Ash is actually one of the pastors at Vintage Church LA, one of our close sister churches doing just amazing work in LA. Ash uh, planted a church back in the UK some years ago, and then God called him here to Southern California to pastor, and I've actually been wanting him to guest preach for the longest time, but now with this online reality, it's finally possible. And so I know you're gonna be so blessed uh, as he shares with us today from God's Word. But with that said, let me pass it over now to Ash.
1: Well, a very, very warm welcome to The Vine Church. So great to have you with us, and one day, in the not too distant future, I hope to be able to be there in person. Great to have you with us today. As we looked at last week in chapter three of Colossians, Paul walks us through the process of transformation into Christlikeness, to set our hearts on the things above, on the kingdom of God, putting to death our old self and clothing ourselves with the new. As Gare encouraged us, the Holy Spirit's always wooing us and inviting us into deep change and transformation. That transformed people transform the world. And now in chapter four, as Paul brings this letter to a close, he reminds us of two essential fruits of the transformed life, our prayer and our proclamation, our prayer and our proclamation. So if you have Bibles, I'd love you to open them to Colossians 4, verses two to six, where Paul gives us some very practical instructions. He says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Nothing signifies our transformation with God more than our hunger and devotion to pray and our excitement and eagerness to share our faith with others. You see, where there's prayer, there's transformation. You can't sit in the presence of God for too long in prayer before you realise you are being transformed. And where there's transformation, there's prayer. One inspires the other. And the result of transformation is the growing desire and excitement to share with others the good news about the one who has transformed us. So Paul leaves us with some really practical instructions on how to pray, knowing that these instructions will be a source of maintaining our transformation and spiritual life. In verse two, he uses four key ingredients, devotion, watchfulness, thankfulness, and purpose. Devotion, watchfulness, thankfulness, and purpose. First devotion, to be devoted to something means to be focused almost exclusively on it. When you're devoted to a cause, a goal, a project, or even a person, They become your focus and purpose. When I first fell in love with Sibs, I devoted all of my time and my energy and effort into that relationship. She became my focus. And all I wanted to do was spend time with her. I looked forward to being with her. I was excited when I was going to be with her. I invested my time, my energy, my plans, and my life was shaped around being with her. Now, by the miracle of God, something must have worked because she has persevered with me for over 27 years. And actually, I still feel the same, if not a little more so. I love being with Sibs. I'm devoted to her. She's a, a major part of my life. And what Paul's trying to say here is make prayer that sort of place in your life. Build your life around prayer. Be devoted to it. He's encouraging us to make it our focus, to pour our energy, time and affection into it. Ordering our lives around praying. To pour our hearts out to him. To celebrate and thank him for the joy and goodness in our lives. To ask for help with our struggles, with our fears, our worries, our longings, our desires. To bring him into our relationships with others. To problems at work, any issues we're struggling with. A person's name that comes to mind. A sudden overwhelming feeling of joy or sadness. Our circumstances dreams and hopes, asking him to speak to us through the scriptures, to remind us of his promises, to encourage us, to give us wisdom, to point out our attitudes or our idols, to confess and to release them to him. Devotion in prayer means keeping no secrets, holding nothing back. It's to have a muscle memory of reaction, to always practise taking everything to him first in prayer. These are just a few examples of what it looks like to be devoted to prayer, to have a living, growing relationship with God. And Paul encourages devotion in prayer because he knows that it's our lifeline to God and the source of our transformation and where we find identity, purpose, and security. And it's out of our devotion that we become alert and watchful. Growing up, my mum would always say, Come on, Ash, be more alert. The world needs more alerts. Initially, I found it funny, but over the years, I actually got really, really annoyed at that comment. (laughs) Paul, Paul is saying to us to be alert as we pray. Watchfulness is to pray from a place of alertness, keeping spiritually awake to God, our culture and the devil. Our culture seems to have an incredible capacity for lulling us to sleep and trapping us in false fields of reality and being where we end up sort of spiritually spiritually dull and in a fog, no longer alive to the things of God. I wonder if any of us have ever struggled with spiritual dullness. I know I have. And Paul is warning us as a church to wake up to this reality, to pray With our eyes open, not just our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes, to be discerning and spiritually alive, awake and watchful to what is going on around us. We need to be a people who are alert and aware of the enemy's strategies and tactics, alert and awake to the reality of warfare in the spiritual realm, alert. the ways we're being distracted and tempted, to relationships that aren't good for us, to the ways we're being shaped and formed by the culture around us, even to the ways things like social media can affect us, particularly in our current cultural moment. There's just been so much noise and negativity on social media. I've realised I need to spend elongated times, just not on social media because of the way it triggers me shapes me forms me then we're to watch out for what God's up to in the world around us to be awake of where he's at work and to join in with what he's doing in prayer and to fan it into flame In our families, our friends, our workplaces, in the headlines, as you look at people, places and circumstances through the spiritual lens. We are to do so awake to what's happening. To be asking God for insight, to be discerning and watchful. Even when we leave our homes, we do so open to the prompting of the presence of God to pray. I remember uh, years ago being on uh, a train in London on the Tube, the Underground, and I remember I'd said to myself, I was quite young in faith, and I said, right, today I'm going to be open to the opportunity for God to speak to me. And I got onto a train, I was heading home, I'd been into London, and on the way back, Uh, I saw this lady, uh, an elderly lady, get on the tube. She was really physically struggling with with what looked to be a sort of back pain. And as she sat down, she sat down a few seats along, but in front of me. And I remember the moment of the uh, spark of God's life prompting me, at least I thought, to pray for her. That began the wrestle. You know that wrestle, that moment when you think God is asking you to take a very public risk for him and you are resisting that risk. And as we went along the uh, tracks, I, I was thinking, oh, Lord, you know, if she gets if she doesn't get up and leave at this station, I will then take that as a sign that I need to pray for her. Well, I did that for probably 10 stations and we got to the end of the line. And much to my shame, I have to confess, I had such a deep wrestling. I got in such a mess over wrestling as to whether I should pray for her or not, partly because of the people on the train that we got to the end of the line and we got up and she got up and off she went. And I never prayed for her. But that was a moment when I realized I wanna take those opportunities to lean in and pray we're to be awake and watchful to the opportunities god may place in front of us to pray and share the gospel so we devote ourselves to prayer we watch we're awake and we're opening to the prompting of god to pray and as we do this it releases a thankful heart Thankfulness is so much more than having enough food to eat, a warm house to live in, good health, clothes, financial security, because each of these things can be taken from us in a moment. It's so easy to give thanks when things are going well, but when it gets tough or we face difficult circumstances like so many of us are now with the consequences of COVID, then it gets tougher to be thankful, doesn't it? But what Paul shows us is that thankfulness is a state of being and a way of life, irrespective of the circumstances we might be facing. He's a master at giving thanks in difficult circumstances. And he practiced it over and over and over again while writing this letter from prison. Colossians 1, 3, we always thank God when we pray for you. Chapter 1, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Chapter 2, verse 7, overflowing with thankfulness. Paul had been run out of town, beaten, whipped, imprisoned, betrayed by friends, naked, cold, hungry, shipwrecked, and stoned because of his faith. Yet he never stopped giving thanks to God because he knew there was power in thanksgiving. It can break the power of sadness, fear, anger, and anxiety. It can overcome a cynical, hard heart. I have learned that so many times. It aligns our thoughts and our hearts to God's character and promises. It reminds us of who God is. And when we're reminded of who God is, then our hearts, in spontaneous reaction, give thanks. It releases a spirit of praise. It can help us become more peaceful, joyful and content. It can shatter self-pity, push back the darkness. And of course, thankfulness ushers us into the presence of God. And all of this gives us the power of perspective. Thankfulness gives us the power of perspective. A girl once wrote a letter to her mum from college that went like this. Dear Mum, sorry I haven't written sooner. I broke my arm and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had a fire. We were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory fixed, I moved in with him. He's been so nice. I must admit, I'm pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine and will write again when I get the chance. Love your daughter, Susie. P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and I flunked chemistry. I just wanted wanted you to receive this news in its proper perspective. I pray to the Lord I never receive a letter like that from my daughters. Thanksgiving is one of the best ways to keep perspective and put fire into our praying. Martin Luther King once said, occasionally in life, there are moments of unutterable fulfillment which cannot be completely explained by those symbols called words. Their meanings can only be articulated by the inaudible language of the heart. Remember moments like these and give thanks with the language of of the heart. Some of us today are facing difficult situ- situations and circumstances. And my encouragement to you would be to implement the practice and habit of thanksgiving, to use the Psalms to shape how you see God and watch what He can do. Lastly, Paul moves from the how. the why in verses three and four he says and pray for us too that god may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of christ for which i am in chains pray that i may proclaim it clearly as i should prayer is to have purpose in this case it's the opportunity to share the gospel. And as you know Paul is writing this while being chained up in prison. It's suggested that he was chained to a guard 24 hours a day during his time in prison. Nearly all of the imperial guards had heard about Christ because of his chains. One commentator suggests the shifts changed every 6 hours which Paul which meant Paul could witness to at least four guards a day. Now, I want you to take a moment to imagine. Imagine yourself as one of those soldiers chained to a man who prayed without ceasing, with devotion, watchfulness, thanksgiving, and purpose. A man who seemed to have the capacity for joy in the most desperate of circumstances, who constantly took opportunity to talk to people about their spiritual condition and who repeatedly wrote letters to Christian churches throughout the empire. Instead of becoming a victim to his circumstances and seeing the prison guards as an inconvenience, he sees them as a captive audience. Although he was in chains for preaching the gospel, the chains couldn't stop the message. Now that gives us some perspective. A couple of years ago, I was in London. My mother had passed away. I was trying to sort my father out and uh, he was struggling with dementia. So it was actually quite a difficult uh, time in my life. I've shared this story. Some of you may know it, but it was late at night. I've been out with some friends, just having a a little moment, social space and fun with catching up with friends in London and I got a taxi home. Uh, all I wanted to do in the cab was to just, you know, crash out, not talk, just to sleep. Don't wake me up when we get there. Uh, but as I got in the taxi, I soon discovered I had a very chatty taxi driver. And of course, he didn't stop. He talked and talked and talked and talked. And I sort of politely, quietly engaged. As he talked, I felt a moment of prompting. I felt the Lord prompt me to ask if He was okay. And I'll be honest, uh, at that moment, I think I probably said something like, Lord, you know the circumstances of my life right now. I'm extremely exhausted physically, spiritually, emotionally. Not now. But the feeling persisted. And so I took a moment in between His talking and I said, Hey, are you okay? And uh, he paused, it rattled him for a few moments. And then he opened up and went on to describe just how okay he wasn't. Issue after issue, relational issue, health issues, all sorts of things. As we got to the end of the trip, uh, it was late. I got out of the cab and I said to him, hey, uh, I'm a pastor to which he replied you are kidding me I was like no and I'm just wondering would you mind if I pray for you that's when he responded with that he used to go to church he hadn't been for years he'd kind of gone a long long way from the Lord and that he would love prayer and so there I was it was one o'clock in the morning I was extremely exhausted on a street in London, and I leant in through the window. I said, I'm just gonna lightly place a hand on you. I'd just love to pray for you. And I just prayed a very simple prayer. And as I did, this rather large, sort of, uh, uh, you know, muscle building, quite hardcore taxi driver, London taxi driver, just began to melt in the presence of God. Little bit of emotion just paused for a brief moment, I said amen, and I said, really lovely to meet you, and I'll be praying for you as as you go on, and he was just so, so thankful, and off he went. I have no idea what happened after that trip, whether the Lord put other people in his path to bring him back to church, but Paul's encouragement to us is that when we pray with devotion, watchfulness, and thankfulness, and purpose, we'll discover the kind of prayer that gives us that spiritual life, that's transforming, and gives us excitement about sharing our faith. Can I encourage us, right now, think about where you are with the Lord. Think about the circumstances you are facing. Think about how vibrant your faith is, and let's take a moment to just pray, let's pray. Lord, my prayer for all of us this morning is that we would step into a a, a prayer that is watchful and thankful and full of purpose that we would ask you, Lord, to fill us with your presence, to cause our hearts to be devoted to you in prayer. For those of us that are feeling that spiritual dullness, I pray right now, Lord, that you would meet with them. Holy Spirit, would you cleanse the lens through which we see, that we might see you at work all around us. Bring us into that faith which is awake and watchful and alive and full of hope and a desire to share who you are and what you're doing in our lives irrespective of the circumstances we face fill us with your presence give us stories open to your prompting. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit.